You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. And today we're, uh, we're kicking off a, uh, our continuing a series that we started uh, a few weeks ago called Putting Money in Its Place. I've got to move this because I'm going to totally break this. You're going to hear a loud bang at the worst mo- possible moment. Um, so uh, anyway, we're, we're continuing a series we started calling Putting Money in Its Place. Uh, before we jump in, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, it is great to have you here today. For those of you watching online, you might be watching from somewhere else. Why don't you post in the comments, where are you watching from? Let us know. We're just blessed to have you here. You know, every so often I try to reflect on this. Um, it was, uh, and I don't want to belabor a point, but uh, two and a half years ago, I'm in this room right here where, we're, where I'm standing, talking only to a camera, and I am so blessed and so grateful that we get to gather for those online, but also here in person. And it is wonderful to have you guys here. Now, uh, last week, if you were with us, last week we talked about uh, the importance of prioritizing our money and telling it where to go. And uh, next week, we're gonna be closing out this series, putting money in its place, talking about the blessing of money. And you know, God has blessed us with so many different things. Money is just one of them. But it can be a blessing, not a curse. And uh, we're gonna be talking about how God can use what he's entrusted you with to be a blessing. Today, though, we wanna talk about the plan for money. And uh, as the saying goes, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And the plan we want to look at today isn't my plan. It's not the plan of some financial guru. Uh, what we want to do is look at uh, really what the, uh, the wisdom and the, the valuable wisdom that we see throughout Scripture on how we manage the resources God has given us. In fact, we're going to dive deeper into a story that I mentioned last week. It's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Uh, and if, if you weren't with us, this story, the master uh, and the story that Jesus shares going out of town, and he entrusts some of his wealth to three of his servants, uh, a considerable amount. The first servant, he leaves five bags of gold. To the second servant, he leaves three bags of gold. And to the third servant, he leaves one bag of gold. And as he leaves, the first two servants do something with what, what their master had given them, and they doubled what they had. They doubled their, their master's gold. And when the master returns, the first servant has now 10 bags of gold. The second now has four bags of gold. But the third servant, he took what he had been given and entrusted with, and out of fear, he buries it. He does absolutely nothing with it. And the master is furious that this servant would be so lazy. And he took the man's one bag of gold from him, and he gave it to the servant who now had 10 bags, and now he has 11. And while we talked about prioritizing our money this last week, what we want to look at is, is answer this question today. What are you doing with what you've been given? And, and that question really is a powerful question beyond just your money. What are you doing with what you've been given? You have breath in your lungs. I know sometimes it can be such a difficult thing going to work and going through life and dealing with the struggles and the obstacles and the difficulties and the chaos that we can experience on a daily basis. But think about the gift of what you've been given You've been given a gift of life. You've been given gifts that, that parts of the world people would long for. What are you doing with what you've been given? And we've been looking at uh, this significant thing that God has given to us this month, which is, which is money. Uh, and money is something that 
everyone deals with on, on some level, right? This is why the Bible talks so much about it. And, and if, if God really entrusts us with all that's valuable and all the things God has entrusted us with, finances are often the most stressful thing we face and deal with and, and bring about the most anxiety. When I meet with couples that are getting married, and, and this is one of the topics we often talk about because uh, marriages can oftentimes go south because of a variety of things, and we wanna you know, address those before a person gets, couple gets married, but one of those things, one of those big issues, uh, the things that can oftentimes put a wedge between a couple is finances. In fact, Jesus talked a lot about money. He said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart's gonna be also. Of the parables that Jesus teaches on, the stories he tells you know, for the sake of teaching, Two-thirds of them deal directly with finances or possessions. In, in, in the Gospels, which if you're not familiar, the Bible is broken into two sections. You have the Old Testament, which is the first portion, and the New Testament, which is the second portion. And the first four books of the New Testament are the Gospels of Jesus. And it tells the story of Jesus. And there's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In those four Gospels, one in ten verses deal with money or finances in some respect. In all of scripture, there are over 2,300 verses that talk about money. It's five times more than talk about prayer, five times more than talk about faith. Managing God's resources wisely is profound, a profoundly spiritual topic, and today we're gonna look at what scripture has to say about what the master has ultimately left in our hands, specifically of money. You see, in America, uh, there's a big problem oftentimes uh, with how we handle our money. Not because we have too much, but because we've bought in to certain lies. Certain lies that culture has communicated and pushed for us. For example, um, we oftentimes have this hope that our children would be better off than we are. I don't know if you have that desire. I have that desire for my kids. We want our children to be better off than, than we are. The generations that follow to be better off than we are. And, and, and the reality is that today, uh, individuals will be 25 years old and they, they feel that desire and, and they do it. They find themselves at the age of 25 living better than their parents lived. They, they're living uh, basically at a point where their parents took 30 years to get to, but they're doing it now. But they're not doing it with money, they're doing it with debt. They'll leverage themselves out the wazoo to live like their parents now, understanding their parents took 30 years of progress to get there. That, that's a lie, other lies that we can buy into uh, besides thinking that we deserve certain things, is thinking that there are certain things that we can't function without them. Like, we can't live without certain things that, to be happy. I, I know people who might, might say, hey, I need a flat screen TV or premium cable. I can't be happy without those things. Or I need the new, new uh, phone or device or, or, or whatever it may be. Those are, those are lies. The funny thing is, the very things that most of us want and we believe we couldn't be happy without didn't even exist 10 or 15 years ago. We made it a really long time in society without an Apple Watch or a VR headset or a, or, or a Google Home setup. There are millions of lies that we can believe. One of the other lies we've often bought into is that we have to have payments. Like debt and payments are just gonna be a part of life. What happened, what's happened is businesses for years have been really successful at marketing debt as normal. They've succeeded in convincing multiple generations that being in debt is okay, acceptable, and normal. 
Uh, we, we get in the mail and we think, man, I got another credit card, uh, credit card application. Praise God, that's awesome. I can get another credit card. And, and can I be honest with you? God didn't send you that credit card application. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, I am so tired of seeing God's people, great people, good people, hurting, fighting, miserable, buying into the lie that happiness can be bought. When they are just cutting themselves off at the legs with financial pressure, that should never be normal. And here's what normal has become today. Normal is a student loan payment. That's normal. Normal credit card payments. Normal is car payments and house payments. That's normal. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of what's become normal in today's world. I'm frustrated that the church of Jesus Christ in our country hurts, hurts financially because we're doing what has become normal. What if we determined, as a church, as followers of Jesus, what if we determined to go against the flow? What if, what if we determined not to do what's normal, but instead to do what's healthy? Because of this normal, we have strapped ourselves. We can't give generously as followers of Jesus. Not just in church, anywhere. It's frustrating to me, and I hope it's frustrating to you because, because we really need to do something about this in our world. Where the economy is today and where things are going, if, if we keep doing what's normal, we're not gonna get any different results. And in this story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 25, we see these three servants all given these resources. Two of them, two of the three, use wisdom in how they manage what's been placed under their care, and because of that, they find themselves with more in the end. And the question I have for you today is, what would it look like in your life if you were willing to take what you've been given and to manage it with wisdom? Not with impulse, not just with emotion, not just what, what you think might make you happy, but with wisdom. Not simply doing what's become normal, but actually using godly wisdom to manage your money. How could your life look differently? How could your future look differently? Imagine the blessing that God could use you to be in this world if money wasn't a point of stress, but it became an opportunity to be generous. One of the more powerful books uh, on finances in recent years, which came out in 1996, was a book entitled The Millionaire Next Door. And the premise of this book were some researchers went out and they, they were trying to answer this question, how do wealthy people think regarding money? So they wanted to find out, how, how do people who have wealth and have, have substantial resources, how do they think about money? What's different about them? In other words, what are their spending habits? What, what are they, how do they budget and how do they do a budget? And what do they really think about money when they approach money? So they went to the, some, of, some of the most expensive high-end neighborhoods in America to do their research. And what they found when they got to these expensive neighborhoods is not what they had expected. Not always, but, but by and large, they found a lot of people uh, who had, uh, didn't have a lot of money. They had all the stuff, but they didn't have money, and they were confused. Where were the people who had the money? So, so the researchers, you know, uh, they, they, they go to other neighborhoods, and what they found is in, the, in some of those wealthier neighborhoods, people had all the stuff. They, they had the home, the car, the toys, the look, but they also had all the debt, but not the money. They might be what you call pretenders. But then they went to more middle-class homes. There they found what they call the millionaire next door. This was the average-looking person who had some very unusual practices in today's world, and they lived beneath their means. 
not beyond their means. And if you don't know what that means, that means they didn't spend money that they didn't have. And they lived on what they made. In fact, often lived beneath what they made. They often bought used cars. They rarely spent more than $50 on a watch. They, they stayed in the same home for years and years and years and just simply invested. And the bulk of the money in, in most communities is often found in the home of the regular looking person next door. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes, some of the big showy homes may be pretenders. Many Americans in today's culture are pretenders. We're pretending to live a lifestyle that we can't actually afford, but we feel like we deserve. We deserve it, so we'll spend it. Proverbs 13, 7 gives us this challenge. It says, one person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, it has great wealth. The pretender, earlier in Proverbs 12, 9, it says, better to be a nobody, can you say nobody? Better to be a nobody, yet have a servant, than pretend to be somebody and have no food. What's, what's, what are we learning there? What's the wisdom there? It's better to, to, to stay beneath your means. My question to you is, are you, are you pretending today? Are you pretending trying to impress people that honestly don't care to spend money you don't have? to accomplish what you probably shouldn't be doing anyway. In our country, we've learned to believe that debt is normal, it's acceptable. Debt is necessary. And I'll show you how quickly this has changed in our country. In 1929, 1929 only 2% of the houses or homes that were purchased in America were purchased against a mortgage. Only 2%, can you imagine that? It means 98% of the homes purchased in America in 1929, didn't use a mortgage. 40 years later, fast forward 40 years, 1969, only 2% of the homes purchased in America in that year didn't use a mortgage. 40 years, it had flipped. That's how fast our mindset changes. So what's the real cost of debt? I'll, I'll give you a little example uh, to help you illustrate this. The average American in 2022 carries $5,769 in credit card debt. It's the average American in our country, average person, just over $5,700. Let's say this is you, and you're gonna make a minimum payment on that $5,700. Let's say you, you have an interest rate of 19, 20%, which is pretty normal, and you're making just the minimum payment. How long do you think it would take you to pay off that $5,700 debt? Minimum payment, 15, 20% uh, interest rate. It would take you somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 years pay off that credit card debt, just paying a minimum payment. That's 12 years. That's, that's understanding you're not adding any more debt to on top of that. Now, here's the real cost of it. Let, let's say you're not going to be like everyone else. Instead of buying whatever you want, you're prayerful about it. You, you use wisdom. You're going to be a good steward of what God has given you, and you make wise decisions. And, and, and to do this, you, you have a plan. You're going to have self-discipline. So let's say instead of owing $5,700, Let's say you were faithful enough to, to, to do what we're told and maybe our parents or grandparents tell us to do and we've saved. And, and, and you actually saved $5,700. Instead of owing, you saved $5,700. Over the same 12-year period that you're, you might be paying off that credit card debt, making minimum payments, let's say you dumped that payment into an investment and earned 6% over the same 12-year period. Do you know what you'll have? Instead of debt and paying for 12 years, instead of that, investing at 6% for 12 years, you'll have $60,023.82. 
That's a really nice car that you then could pay cash for. Crazy. Now, how many of you have cats? Do any of you have cats? A few of you? God bless you all. You, you've probably noticed something if you have a cat. My, my sister had a cat growing up, did not like it. I had a dog. I'm more of a dog person. Uh, you can't train a cat. Like, cats will not do anything you say for them to do. They'll do the opposite. You can yell at cats. You can throw a cat. You cannot train a cat. They always land on four legs, so that's all good. Now, on the other side, look at dogs. Dogs are man's best friend, right? They're wonderful. Dogs are nice because you can train a dog. You can actually train a dog. Like, your dog doesn't have to jump on every person that walks through the door. Your dog doesn't have to leave a nice gift for your neighbors. You can actually train your dog. Now, like your dog, you might not know this, you can train your money. You can actually train your money. The reality is we have to learn to make our money behave. We need to get control back of the money that God has entrusted us with. In Proverbs 25, 28, it says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. If you don't have control of your money or really any area of your life, you're like a city whose walls are broken down. And, and, And you're vulnerable to whatever comes along. Whatever problem comes along, whatever repair or issue, you're vulnerable. Why? Because you're like a city whose walls are broken down. Because you lack self-control. You, you're like the little kid in Target. I've been there, my son, my kids. I look a little kid in Target who wants a toy or a candy, candy bar and they're throwing a fit until he or she gets it. And they're yelling, I want it, I want it, I want it. And, and you're like, no, Johnny, no, Johnny, no, you're not gonna have it. And he's screaming, I want it, I want it, I want it. And like, calm down, please, this is embarrassing. But I, I have to have it. You're like, okay, I'll get it for you. Just be quiet, please. Please just calm down, here you go. The problem today is little Johnny still lives inside most of us. Only now, Johnny does, doesn't want a candy bar or a toy. Johnny wants a jet ski or a new pair of shoes or a new couch or a new TV. You can go through the whole list. We've got to learn to get control of that little kid inside of us and train him to close his mouth. Get control. Here's a key thought today. I hope you, can, hope you can grasp this. If you're taking notes, here's what we're gonna do. We're going to say no for a little while so that we can say yes for the rest of our lives. We're gonna learn to say no for a little while so we can say yes for the rest of our lives. In fact, I wanna practice this together if we can. I'm gonna count to three and I want everyone to give me your best no. Can we do that? This, is, this might be hard for you. You might be like, I say yes to everything and overwhelm myself. I want you to learn to say no. No is okay. No is a very scriptural, biblical, healthy, godly word. Uh, no. Can we, can we say this together? Give me your best no on the count of three. Okay, if you're watching online, I don't care if you're in your break room at, home, at work or you're in your car, you can join us, okay? Everyone's just gonna be like, what's wrong with them? But it's okay, it's okay. Uh, on the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Give me your best. No. That was good. You guys are good. Man, you guys are awesome. Uh, Here's the deal. We gotta learn to say no. We gotta learn to say no for a little while. No to the things that everyone else thinks are necessary but are not. We're gonna be different. Rather than being all about the material things, we are gonna live beneath our means. We're gonna 
act our wage staying beneath what we make. We're going to invest. We're, we're going to be aggressive and intentional about paying off debt. We're going to say no for a little while. Then for the rest of our lives, we can say yes to whatever God calls us to do. Maybe, maybe you're, you know, saying no, you're disciplined, and, and you've put yourself in a better financial place. You know what you can do? Hey, man, there's a ministry that needs something in, in Africa or in South America or Asia. Man, I want to bless that. I want to be part of that. Or, or, or maybe you, you meet a family, you come across a family that's hurting. Man, I've got the money set aside because I've said no for a little while. I want to I help that family out. Or, or, man, I'm out of debt. Instead of just giving 10% back to God, I can give 20%. Or, or hey, we want a new swimming pool. Let's dig it up, put a new pool in, pay cash for it. Like, this, is what, this is what life can look like if we can say no for a little while. And can I tell you how much Discipline and self-control like this could change your life. This has the potential to not only change your life, but the, the, your family and the legacy that you leave for the generations that follow you. It's so freeing to get away from loving the things of this world and instead loving the freedom of honoring God with his resources. And then one day, you'll get to a place where you can say yes. Heidi and I, uh, today, are able to say yes to things that we couldn't when we first got married. Why? Because we were diligent to get rid of the burden of debt. Do you really need a brand new car right now? Maybe you don't. You know, it goes down 20% the day you drive it off the lot. 20% lost value. Get out of debt, then you can buy two new cars and pay cash for it. Maybe even buy one for your mom if you want. But uh, say no for a little while so you can say yes the rest of your life. Do you need those $5 drinks every day? Do you really need that for a quality of life? It's about discipline. Say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life. And here, here's a little helpful thing that you can do, uh, help you with the discipline of spending. Pray before you pay. Pray before you pay. Let me give you an example. Imagine you walk into Target. Right on the end cap, man, they've got a special sale run you can get a new Keurig for $59.95. What a deal. You're like, this is incredible. If I sign up for a Target credit card, I might even get a better deal, like get more money off. Like God has blessed me today. This is amazing that you put this in front of me. Here's what I encourage you to do. Just step away, walk away, and no one will get hurt. Pray. If it's under $100, if a purchase is under $100, take three days to pray about it. Pray about it. And if you still feel the desire that you have to purchase that, okay, then go for it. Take three days. I promise you what will probably happen is uh, as you take three days to pray, God's gonna work in your heart and your mind. The desire and the impulse to purchase that wonderful Keurig that's sitting right there on the end cap will diminish and you might use better wisdom. If it's between $100 and $1,000, take, take an entire week. Maybe you have like iPad Pro Fever you're like, I have to have a new iPad Pro. I can't live. I can't be a fully devoted follower of Jesus without an iPad Pro. I can like do so many cool things. I can surf Facebook so much better. The screen is clearer. I take better pictures of my kids or grandkids. I can't live for Jesus without it. Take a week. Take a week and pray about it. See what God says. Is that honoring him with those resources? And if it's over $1,000, Commit to pray for a month. Wait and pray. Cool off a bit. Don't just give 
give in to every single impulse you have. If it's over $1,000, take time. If you're married, you and your spouse, pray about it. Is this what God wants? Why, why, do, we, why do we do this? Under $100, pray for three days. Between $100 and $1,000, pray for a week. If it's over 1000 pray for a month. Why? Because like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. We're walking into a holiday season where we have to have everything. If you're not in the retail world, they push the prices up and then drop them and it looks like a sale. Like, we give in to that. We are, we are fools for that trick all the time. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. Get control of your money. Make it behave. Make it work for you, not against you. This is what the first two servants did in the parable that Jesus shared in Matthew 25. They controlled the resources given to them rather than letting the resources have control. The third servant, he allowed the fear of those resources ultimately to control him, to dictate what he did with them. And in turn, he lost what he originally had. Now listen to what Proverbs 21.5 says. It says, the plans of the diligent, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. We are so hasty sometimes in our spending. That's why as followers of Jesus, we seek God to develop his plan. The master has entrusted resources to us to follow his ultimate plan for them. Together, we need to develop a plan. Why? Because the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. We're gonna make a plan, and, and, and your plan needs to include three things I wanna share with you today. If you got notes when you came in, you can write these down if you're a fill-in-the-blank kind of person. The first thing, we're gonna plan for emergencies. We talked about this last week. You need to create an oh-no fund. A no-no fund. This is $1,000 that we're gonna put aside for emergencies because things in the end are gonna break. We don't ha have to borrow to fix them. You may say, where in the world am I gonna get $1,000? This is where you get to be creative. Maybe you can sell something, your old baseball cards, that jewelry you don't wear. wear. Sell anything but your children. <laughs> don't do that, okay? If you have to, eat ramen noodles for a little while. Um, they are delicious, I'm just telling you. They're really good, my kids love them. Clip coupons, get creative, get a second job. Whatever it takes, $1,000, get that buffer, that oh no fund. First goal was find $1,000 for your oh no fund. It might take some time to get that, to that point, but work hard, that's a goal. Number two, second one is eliminate overhead. What are we gonna do? We're gonna reduce debt, get rid of debt. I'm gonna show you something, I talked about this a little bit last week, but that is so revolutionary. It's a, a concept that uh, was really popularized by a guy named Dave Ramsey, who's an author and, and speaker on these topics. And uh, if you look at your notes, the bottom of your notes, there's a, a list, just kind of illustrate this. And we're just gonna attack together. The first column are the people or, or, or businesses that we owe debt to. The second was how much is owed. And the third column is the minimum payment. And here's what, what we're gonna do. Uh, this is how the debt snowball works. You're gonna try to find $200 in your monthly budget. Maybe you need to reduce your cable. Maybe you need to stop going out to eat as much. Maybe, I don't know what it is for you. But you're gonna reduce your expenses every month by $200. And you're gonna take that $200, and you're gonna put it towards the top list, top, top item on that list. And how this is listed is smallest to largest. So the least amount at the top, most at the bottom. So least at the top, most at the bottom. And you're gonna take the least. You're gonna take that minimum payment, so in this example, it's $50, and you're gonna put $200 towards that. So you're putting $250 towards that top debt, and you're gonna pay minimum payments on everything else. 
This is how this, this debt snowball works. Then, uh, in just really a couple months, you'll pay that one off. How exciting is that? You already paid something off. And here's where things get different. In that kind of a situation scenario, usually what we say, great, I have $250, I can go spend on other stuff now. No, 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 you're gonna be disciplined. You're gonna tell your money where to go. You're gonna let your money behave, okay? And, and here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna take the $250 and you're gonna roll it in. This is where the snowball, you're gonna snowball it into the next one. So now 250 goes towards the minimum payment of $30 towards that next debt. And in just a few months, that 250 plus 30 is 280. In just a few months, you're gonna pay the second one off. And, and you're gonna keep rolling it down all the way to the bottom. You keep paying off that, and it snowballs all the way down. And, and here's, here's where this really gets uh, exciting, kind of show you how this works in the long run. If you continue to pay minimum payments, like so many people do on all of this debt, uh, you, it will take you 120 months to pay off the debt. That's 10 years. So if you just pay this debt on this example, minimum payments straight through, it's gonna take you 10 years to pay it off. That's, that's not encouraging. That 10 years uh, to pay off debt. Now, here's how this works. The debt snowball, if you use that debt snowball approach, rather than taking 120 months, instead it will only take you 21 months. 21 months. Why? Because you've been disciplined. That's a difference of 99 months of not paying on any debt. Now, buck your seatbelt here because this is where it gets really exciting. So that, that 99 months. Imagine now you take that $1,110. Where's that? That's the total you're paying towards all your debt. Imagine you take that, and after you pay off that debt, imagine you invest it over that 99 remaining months. 6% return for 99 months. At the end of that period, rather than saying, hey, good, look at this, 120 months, I paid off my debt. How exciting, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm awesome, I'm really good at this. Instead of that, you now will have $143,560.41. So because you've been disciplined, and you've been saying, I'm not gonna just spend money, I'm gonna be disciplined, I'm gonna pay off, I'm gonna use this debt snowball, roll it in, I'm gonna really work hard at this and be aggressive at this. For 10 years, you could pay cash for a house in most parts of the country, or at least have a really nice down payment. That's remarkable. That's making a plan and working the plan. So thought number one is build an O-No fund. Thought number two, eliminate overhead. Once you've done this, this is thought number three, Build a reserve fund. You, you build a reserve fund. What, what's that? It's simply three months of living expenses. As soon as you pay everything off, build up a reserve fund of three months of living expenses. If, if it costs you two grand a month to live, save up $6,000. If it costs you $4,000 a month, save up $12,000. If it's more than that, just triple. Whatever it is, put, put it, uh, invest it somewhere where you can get a little bit of a return on it and then forget it. You can start attacking your house payment and giving big time, multiplying your resources that God has put under your care. Why do we do this? Because the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. We have to have a plan and work the plan. It's time for God's people to stop just blending in with the culture and how we handle resources and just accepting what has become normal. It's time that we take biblical, godly wisdom and apply it. I hope you can see the power of this. That if you can say no to the things that most people say yes to just for a little while, you can say yes for the rest of your life. You can, just with a little bit of work, have all of your debt paid off, maybe even your house, and, and actually be old enough to enjoy it. If you get crazy and, and you get after it, you can actually be free. 
You can be free. You can honor God with the resources that he trusted you with. You see, this isn't simply a matter of practice. This isn't just a practical matter. This is a heart issue. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Isn't this the truth? We get mad at God because we don't have enough. You're gonna hate the one and love the other. You're gonna love the one and hate the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve them both. We serve God. We don't serve money. We are not of this world. We are not driven by this world. We have a higher calling. We, We have a higher purpose. It doesn't mean that we don't enjoy some nice things in this world. It just means that they don't have a hold on us. Having money is not bad. In many cases, it can be very, very good. And and the opposite is true. To be broke is not necessarily to be spiritual. Just like having a lot of money doesn't make you unspiritual. Money is neutral. Money is a toll. We talked about this last week. Money isn't the goal. It's just a toll. It is the love of money that is dangerous. We don't love it. We don't serve it. We love God and we serve God. And what does money do for us? Money serves us. Money behaves It does what we tell it to do. We can use money. We can buy time with money. We can have options with money. We can use it to bless others. We can use it to bless our family. We can enjoy it. We can give it. Why? Because it's under our control. You can get there. We can all get there. It's because we don't serve money. Ultimately, we serve God. Money serves God's purposes. And we need to learn to make it behave. In Proverbs 22.7, as we close today, It says, the borrower is a servant to the lender. The borrower is a servant to the lender. We are called to be servants of Jesus, to Jesus alone. We're only to be a servant to him. We need to learn to make a plan and to stick with it, to be disciplined. What are we gonna do? We're gonna follow the spirit of God. And we're gonna say no for a little while so we can say yes for the rest of our lives. You might be like, man, this is just too much. I'm telling you this because I have grown up in the church my entire life, okay? I'm 41 years old, 31, but we'll just go with 41. I'm 41 years old. From the moment I was born, I'm a pastor's kid. I've been in church my entire life. I've lived an entire, watched an entire generation of the church mess this up. And what has it done? It has caused us to be so frantic in our world that our emotions and our ability and passion to be generous ebb and flow with the waves of the economy. That's not God's intention. God never intended for us to be, be, to be uh, tied and, and handcuffed to where the economy is or, or to how much money we have coming in to be generous. It's because we don't live beneath our means, because we don't tell our money where to go. We just let normal become normal, even in the church. What would it look like if we could get a generation of kids and teens, and even as adults, we could find ourselves not bound by debt, where the servant is, uh, where, the, where, where the borrower is a servant to the lender, but where we were free. And when we hear about, in Norland School District right now, there are 43 kids in the ESL program. 43 kids who have come into Norwin that don't speak English. That number has quadrupled in the last two years. That's significant. Imagine if we were so disciplined with our finances that we hear of needs like that, 
and we say, you know what? I want to be part of that. Maybe you can't fix the whole need, but maybe you can provide a meal for one of them. Maybe you can do one little thing. Why? Because you've been disciplined. You've said no for a little while, so you can say yes the rest of your life. This is what God has called us to. God has called us as followers of Jesus to make the most of our resources. We talk about our hope is that you fulfill your God-given potential. Part of your God-given potential is that you can make the most of what you've been given in every area. And I hope you can do that. In fact, we want to help you do that. Not so that we as a church can get more money. That has nothing to do with it. It's because you can make a better difference and a greater impact throughout our community and around the world when you are managing what God has given you better. We're gonna, next Sunday, we have a, a meeting for Financial Peace University. If you're not familiar with that, man, it's a great small group that we have here at Calvary that is geared toward giving you the tools, what we've talked about today, but going deeper, giving you the practical tools on how do I do this? We have incredible leaders that have led this and led numerous people through this, and we have seen God bring freedom to people. And it's remarkable. Come for lunch next Sunday after church. Just hear about it. You don't have to commit to anything. Just hear about it. You can sign up at fpu.calvaryirwin.com. And I'm not trying to give you a shameless plug or a sales pitch or anything like that. That has nothing to do with that. We're not gonna benefit from this. It's, it's for you. We wanna practically give you the tools so that the church and the followers of Jesus in our community aren't the ones constantly looking for handouts, looking for help and support. Not that there's anything wrong with that at different points but that the followers of Jesus can be the ones who are so generous that we're there to help those in need. They were saying, oh, you're struggling right now. We wanna help you out. Not because we're rich, not because you know, we're making tons of money, but because we've been wise with how we manage what God has given us. I encourage you, if you haven't heard about financial peace or you're just like curious and not even sure, just come, it's free. You get a lunch. You get to hear about it. And if you're like, I don't like that, nothing's been lost. You got a lunch. It'd be a great opportunity. Beyond that, I asked you this last week, and I ask you again. Sit down with someone else and talk about your finances. I know it's an uncomfortable, like, few things you never talk about. You know, politics, money, and religion. Put the politics aside. Maybe have a conversation about money and, and religion. What does God have to say about our finances? How can we discipline ourselves? How can we rebuild the walls that have been broken down so we're not vulnerable? So that we we recapture some self-control. As you're walking into the holiday season, there's never a better time to get this right because you can spend the next year, as so many do, digging yourself out of the hole the next two or three months is going to dig. And you'll spend 2023 saying as you do every January, why did we do this again? Why, why, as your, as your child throws the toy that you bought them for $75 across the room and it shatters and you're like, oh, why did we do this? I'm not saying that your family should be skimped or you should not take care of your family. What I am saying is, what would it look like for self-control to be practiced in your life and your family this season? And as we close, I wanna pray because I believe that the power of God the Holy Spirit is amazing at helping us learn self-control, amazing at helping us learn to make wise decisions in every area of our life, even with our finances. And I wanna pray that God would give you supernatural discipline to say no for a little while, just as you guys did so incredibly earlier, that you could say no and no and no and no so that you can say yes 
for the rest of your life so that you can be that person that retires someday at the right age and you can be generous and enjoy your retirement and not be stressed about whether or not you're gonna pay your bills that week or that month. That's what God wants for you. And he's entrusted you with resources to not live beyond your means, but so you can live beneath your means so you can make the most of what he's given to you. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you. You have blessed us beyond measure. God, we could transport all of us to other parts of the world. Lord, where the resources we have under our care would put us in the top 5% of wealthiest people in the world. I'm so grateful, Lord. I don't know why you chose to put us where you did, but you did. Lord, help us to be good stewards of what you've given to us. Lord, help us use the resources you've put under our care with wisdom, with godly wisdom. Help us, Lord, to have the discipline to say no for a little while so we can say yes for the rest of our lives. God, I pray you would help us, Lord, to, be, to, to tell our money where to go, to not let what is normal become normal in our lives, but let us go against the flow. And God, I pray in the coming months and years, God, that you would just bless and multiply what is under our care. Not for our benefit, but God, so that we could be a blessing to so many in our community and around the world. Lord, that when we encounter needs, we don't just have to say, I'm praying for you, but we can, Lord, be part of the solution. God, I thank you for all that you're doing in us and through us. Bless us so that we can be a blessing to this world. Give us courage to make the hard decisions. Give us the discipline to say no to the things that maybe aren't totally necessary so that we can live beneath our means, not beyond. And God, as we leave this place, as we go to school and work this week and uh, throughout our neighborhoods and grocery store and gas station, everywhere we go in community, God, use us to be a blessing. Let us reflect a generous spirit. Let us reflect your love and your grace to those we encounter those that are different than us, those that might be or angry or, 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 or agitated, Lord, let us be those that can be a loving, calming spirit everywhere we go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, next week, we'll be uh, continuing and closing out our series talking about the blessing of money. Have a great week and we'll see you guys next Sunday. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 